My name is Brent Bilby, and uh, I, I'm currently running a college ministry at Roger State University. That's in a little town of Claremore, Oklahoma, about 30 minutes northeast of Tulsa. Um, we start our first semester there in the fall, and so like Glenn said, I'm not coming and speaking with a, with a bunch of experienced uh, young, new, newer at this, but have, have been blessed with the opportunity of a training program, two-year training program with Lynn and Clint. Um, and couldn't think of on this planet two better guys, two better warriors in Christ who get the mission of Christ Jesus and are sold out to that mission. Um, and so I'm very excited when I look out at this group of people because I'm quick to, to know where I'm at. I don't come from an educated background. I don't have a college degree. I don't have a biblical degree. Uh, I'm you guys' age. I'm 22 years old. I would be a senior in college had I continued with my education. Uh, just, just a young guy. Um, who after a lot of, um, I loved as, as Robert, Robert talked about yesterday, uh, with he used to be a victim of stupidity and then became a volunteer to it. So grew up with a, with a rough past, you know, divorcee parents, abuse in the household, uh, young guy when, when pops leaves, insecure and uh, trying to find identity and went to all the wrong places for that, drinking, women, uh, all, that, all that goes with that line. Um, and so went from a victim to a volunteer of stupidity. So heaped on uh, quite a bit of problems and pretty much wrecked my life. Um, <laughs> but, but Jesus got my attention. He, he got through to me. Um, and he gave me a purpose that was so much greater than anything that I could have asked for. And I'm so thankful uh, for the relationship I have with Christ Jesus and the honor of being used by him. And I'm excited as I look out because I know he can use each and every one in this room. Um, so we're going to start out looking at a passage in Acts 18 uh, at a guy named Apollos. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, a husband and wife, who encounter him and lead him to further truth in the Lord. And they do it fruitfully and effectively. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about as we're talking about refute. All right, this will be in Acts 18, uh, verses 18 through 28. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had, he had his hair cut off at Sinria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from, from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, this is our guy, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. 
On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Okay, so we get introduced to Apollos, and he has, he has a knowledge of the Lord and some fervor for him. It says he's, he's teaching about the Lord with fervor and accuracy, yet he's, he's ignorant of the baptism of Jesus. He knows about the baptism of John, right? That was a baptism that preceded the baptism of Jesus. The ministry of John the Baptist came uh, to point people to the Christ, and so he only knows of that. So that's where he's at when Priscilla and Aquila are introduced to him. Um, and they were faced with a choice when they, when they hear his teaching and his understanding of baptism. And they can either uh, respond in a way uh, where they just break out into a bait with him right there. Like, you don't even know about the baptism of Jesus. What are you doing teaching about him? Um, but rather than that, they chose uh, to build a relationship that preceded their refuting. And so they opened up their homes and their hearts and they brought him in and they instructed him further. And because of that, he responded. And we pick up and we see that he, he is found then refuting um, Jews, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, so our first point about refuting is that relationship precedes refuting if it is to be effective. And so this is, this is not a class where we're wanting to equip you to win some arguments on Facebook. You guys all see it, the trolling atheist and the memes, God this, God that. That's not what we're equipping you to do. What we're wanting this class to equip you to do is to go out and effectively win souls because we believe that Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And whatever you believe outside of Jesus is a lie. And so in love, because we know what's coming, we know that every man's going to die and he's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ Jesus. And so we have to attempt to bring them to a place of truth and relationship must be must be there in order um, to do that effectively all right the title of this class uh, let me take take a moment to define the word refute Um, refute is defined as to prove a statement or theory to be wrong or false to disprove the title of this class is, Why Do We Need to Be Prepared with an Answer? Um, so I want to answer that question using scripture. 1 Timothy 3.15 refers to Christ Jesus' church as the pillar of truth. And so that's what we as believers ought to be making up, this church that is the pillar of truth. And in, in a world that is uh, still asking the same questions a lot of way, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus when he was on trial, he says, what is truth? I think the world's asking the same question. I think they're hungry for truth, and we, we've got to be that. Furthermore, um, we've been, been told in the Great Commission, you guys are probably familiar with it, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the end of the ages. Um, and so the question is, how can we be obedient to that? How can we teach everything that he commanded if we ourselves don't know what he's commanded? So we've got to be in this book. We've got, to, we've got to be digging to get these answers so that we can go out and make disciples. My notes are on my phone. I'm not up here uh, texting. And so <laughs> I want to share a passage. Um, 
Furthermore, answering that question that comes in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who ask always be prepared to give to give the reason for this hope that you have to everyone that asks but do this with gentleness and respect um, and so I contend when we're taking hold of the life that, that Jesus gives people are going to ask you um, about that why is it that you have hope and it may not come out in those words I'll give you an example of how it came out the other day there's a young lady at the university um, that we've been reaching out to uh, her name's Rachel Smith. We've been reaching out to her since our harvest retreat with Hoosier One, and she's definitely uh, the difficult one. As first introduction to her, when we threw the root beer kegger, I gave her a flyer, and she said, I'm not religious. I don't do that thing. Don't invite me to your events ever again. And I said, just friendly. You know, you don't have to be religious to do a root beer keg stand. We got Hunter the Hillcat, which is our school mascot at RSU coming. Uh, and that kind of broke the, broke the ice a little bit. Uh, and just prayerfully, God began opening doors and have, have had some opportunities, eaten with her, talked with her. Um, and so we've, we've been in prayer about that one as a, as a crew for, for some time as the semester progressed. Well, here, right before Christmas break, I was there playing Monopoly in the dorm with some guys that I was reaching out to. I see her. She's working as an RA. She says, Brent, why are you so happy? Uh, I saw you at 11 o'clock, uh, 11 a.m. You're here today. It's 1 a.m. now. You've been at the university all day long. What reason do you have for being happy? Okay. There's, there's that open door, right? And so have that opportunity to explain. That comes from our relationship with Jesus. Jesus taking care of my past with the cross. He's taking care of my future. I'm going to be with him forever and ever. And so I've got every reason to be happy. Um, <laughs> and so really, really pumped, right? That, that, that door came open. Uh, actually, the girl that was sitting next to her, <laughs> she said, this was her, her word. And, and let me explain a little bit about Claremore. We're like the belt buckle of the Bible belt where everybody has a church background or knows Jesus. Her exact words after I said that, Rachel, like, aha, wow, really, really, that's why you have hope. The girl sitting next to her, Valerie, says, that doesn't make sense. I know Jesus. I'm never happy. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, uh, and I, naturally, you know, my response, I get bummed out. And I, you know, shut down the conversation emotionally. And so I just, you know, small talk or whatever and go back. And I was ticked. And so I actually had the opportunity of talking about that with, with Lynn and Carol. So I still go to Lynn and Carol and Clint and, and Josh and people all the time running into stuff. I don't know how to answer everything. It's just how do you respond effectively to that? Um, and be, being counseled further, the proper response would be, you know, I don't know who you know, but I'd love to introduce you to my Jesus. Rather than getting upset and frustrated, I could have had, you know, a two-for-one opportunity there. Um, and so again, it's like we've got to be in this word and then obedient to this word because James tells us in James 1, um, pardon, it might be James 2, somewhere in there. Y'all can look this up for sure. But that we ought to be quick to listen, uh, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If I'm yielded up to, the God, to God and, and his word, then I'm going to be able to field um, a response that would be uh, more fruitful for both parties there.
Okay. I want to share a proverb with you real quick. It's in Proverbs 21:31, and still, still tying up um, why we need to be ready to have an answer. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Um, so this is, a, this is a commission. That's why I call it the great commission, right? At the, the end of Matthew 28, uh, verse 20, Jesus says, And I will be with you always to the end of the ages. And we just had a beautiful lesson in there uh, laid out by Mackey that this is something that literally you and I can't go out with a notion, okay, I'm going to make a disciple. I'm going to get somebody to fall in love with Jesus. We need we need. God to come through in this. We have to depend on the Spirit. Um, the flesh counts for nothing. It's the Spirit that gives life. And so God's got to do something. Yet that doesn't negate that we have a role. And I love how that proverb says, the battle belongs to, to the Lord. Victory rests with the Lord, but the horse is made ready for battle. So you and I, as warriors for Christ Jesus, we've got to get ourselves ready for the battle. Uh, we do that by being in, being in His Word. Uh, being intentional about our, our studying our time in His Word. Pro, yeah, that was Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one. But the the icing on the cake, the real reason why we have to be ready to have an answer is because there's souls at stake. Uh, eternity's hanging in the balance. Um, Satan and his army has been sentenced and condemned to hell. And he wants with everything in him to take the people that you love most there with him, the people that are at your jobs, the people that are at your campuses, and that's why we've got to be ready to have an answer. So now let's, let's move into the how. We can talk about why we need to have an answer. Let's get into the how do we have an answer. I think Jesus gives us uh, <laughs> some pretty good instructions on that. So let's turn to Matthew 10, 16. This is, this is when Jesus is sending his, his disciples out two by two um, to go preach the gospel, to share the good news. What he says to them in verse 16, he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So we, we've got to be both of those things. We've got to keep ourselves pure. We've got to carry this thing out and put it between our teeth and be serious about it. It's content, our prayer life's contingent upon it. James 5, 16 and 17. For the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If you want God to hear your prayers, we, we've got to sanctify ourselves for that purpose. Connect, connect the purpose to it. It's because something bigger than doing right and wrong. Souls are at stake. Um, and furthermore, the, the shrewd, we've got to, we've got to be shrewd um, in our tactic. We've got to be cunning. We've got to, we've got to be wise. Um, as you guys, you guys know, uh, this is the reason why as campus ministers we throw our, our big and, and crazy events, right? We've seen the street preaching model. We've seen uh, tracks being passed out. We haven't seen fruit from it. Um, and so we cast our big nets by throwing our events. That's, that's being shrewd. Again, you know, someone like Rachel wouldn't come to a, an event 
that has a religious title or connotation to it. Uh, she didn't come to the root beer kegger, but when we had our uh, zombie prom, she came to that one. And she's plugging in because, because of the events we throw and we build those relationships from there. So we've got to be shrewd um, as we go out. Hmm. I want to be as practical as possible. And the best way I know how to do that is give you personal examples. Um, so I'd mentioned earlier that for refuting to be effective, there must be a relationship in order. Um, so I'm going to give you two examples um, of how I responded to stuff. And this was even on Facebook, but it, with one of them, there was a face-to-face -face relationship and a follow-up there. Um, so one of them I did refute and say something, and one of them I did not. Okay, so there's a guy at the, the university, at Rogers State University. His name's Nicholas Wood. Um, he is, via Facebook, not, not verbally, but via Facebook, like an outspoken atheist, um, and will just, just post these just mocking Christianity memes and different statuses and stuff. Um, but I have a personal relationship with him. He comes to our events at this point. I eat with him in the cafeteria. And uh, at one point on Facebook, he posted... Oh, well, I'll back that up. Okay, he was in a student government meeting. Um, and I, as running CIA, I'm in the student government meeting as well. And we had just had this uh, group that came and like picketed the campus and had signs, Muslims are going to hell, gays are going to hell, everybody's going to hell. Uh, it caused a lot of ruckus, right? So SGA is talking, how do we respond to this? Um, and he voices up, he speaks up at it. And I don't remember all of what he said, but I, w I was listening because I pray about this individual and I want him to know, to know the Lord. And so when I hear him start talking about his beliefs, like, okay, here, here we go, ears perked up, right? He said, so what I believe is Roman Stoicism. That's where my thoughts align with, uh, which God doing his thing. I had just in the last two or three weeks been given a book by somebody that was over Roman Stoicism and just briefly, you know, skim through it. Let's see what the thoughts are there. Um, so I had the opportunity after the meeting uh, to talk with Nick and share with him about, uh, okay, yeah, Roman Stoicism. I just, just got in this book called The Obstacle is the Way, um, yada, yada. We're catching up on that. Tell him, ends up he's interested in the book, and I tell him that he can borrow the book um, and that the condition is, like, borrow it, read it. Yeah, let's get together and talk about it. But, when you explain, but after you explain to me what you believe and why you believe, then I'm going to discuss with you why I believe what I believe, right? So it, it was a segue. Um, we get to have that conversation. I, I very much look forward to it next week. He read the book over break. Um, but so sur shortly after that, I see on Facebook, he posted a meme, and it had Hitler and says, killed 7 million Jews. And then it says, or, you know, held renowned to be diabolical and evil. And then it says, God threatens to kill everybody and send them to hell who doesn't believe in him. Alleged to be a good God. Well, I have a relationship with this guy. And so I, I comment on there and I say, uh, you can claim that my God's intolerant, but you can't claim that a God who sent his son to die for the sins of mankind to save you and this entire world doesn't love you. Um, and so I just comment that, that on there. Um, I mentioned that to contrast uh, with, another, with another incident on Facebook. There, there was a guy uh, who started chiming in and saying a bunch of stuff onto my comment. And I'd already said, you know, what, what I needed to be said. I laid the gospel out, so I didn't engage with him. But then he continues the next couple of weeks. He's like plugging away at my Facebook, posting, posting on stuff 
um, in, re- in response to what I've said. And uh, the, the difference is, this kid doesn't go to RSU, never seen him in my life, just some guy on Facebook who likes picking fights. And so I don't take the bait. I end up not, not refuting in that incident um, because what fruit's going to come from a guy who just gets off on doing this on Facebook that I don't know. Um, and so there, there are times where, uh, where you, you're, you're shrewd in the, fu- in the battles that you pick. Going through my notes. Thanks for sticking with. Hmm. Okay, our second point is that we must be personally convinced. Did, who got to go to Mackie Shedd's class over, uh, it was Campus Ministry United workshop over the summer? This class on teaching truth, okay? It, dynamite class. He said this quote. He said, I'm convinced that to convince, one must be convinced. Right? Good stuff there. Um, and so the point is we have to be, we have to be personally um, convinced or we're not going to be very convincing. <laughs> right? We have to be personally convinced and reconciled of some of these, these harsh doctrines or, or things that we see in here like, okay, how, how does a loving God have a hell? Well, we've got to reconcile that with, with our own belief before we can go out and hope to do that with somebody else. Um, and so... We've got to um, approach the scriptures with humility. I'm going to share a verse in Isaiah that changed the way I approach scripture. It comes in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. All right, Isaiah 66, verse 2. Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. This, this changed the way I look at scriptures because I realized I didn't open this book and tremble at these words. But I see in this book, when people hear the, verse, the voice of God, they tremble. We serve a mighty and powerful God. And when we hear his voice, when we see him, we're going to be astounded. We're going to, we're going to tremble. Um, and we, we have his words right here. So we ought to approach them um, with some humility. And now it's, it's to a point where the way I, I look at this is, um, you know, if I, if I came across the passage that said, young men who want to serve Jesus have to learn how to spin on their head. That sounds silly. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to learn how to do that. Because Jesus is the Lord of this universe, and, and I trust him. And so we've got to be ones responding to his word in such ways. We've got to humble ourselves before his word. Hmm. Okay, another, another point here um, of being convinced. Uh, we've got to take hold of the life that Jesus offers so that we can truly be convinced that he's better than anything else. Um, and so I want to give you a, a story about a guy named Seth Surratt that we had the privilege of baptizing early in the semester. Um, it was a really neat deal of God appointing the times and places. On our first event, our welcome back picnic, he was working as a maintenance guy. It was his last day ever as a maintenance guy. Uh, but we, we ate with him, got his contact, followed up and, and hung out. 
Um, and so was, uh, you know, prayerfully in, in this relationship building is I want him to have to know the Lord. That's, that's the intent, not haphazard. Like, I just want to be friends with this guy, but the intents of we want him to know the Lord. Um, and so we're praying. We're praying for those open doors to be able to speak truth. And then uh, one day after cross chat, I'm driving him home and he's laying out. He's talking about going home to get drunk. And he's like, uh, and I just start probing, asking, you know, okay, well, well why are you doing that? Like, well, there's, there's so much um, pain. There, there's so much hurt. I, I don't know what else to do but to, but to medicate. Uh, see, what, what he believed, the lie that he believed, is that there was no hope and there was no, no shot at healing, that he couldn't experience it, something better. Um, and so I got, got to share with him simply why I don't have sex anymore, why I don't drink anymore, why, I'm not, why I don't use drugs, and that's because Jesus is better. He's offered a more fulfilling life, um, and he's offered healing in areas that I thought could never be healed. Uh, and so just, just very simple, uh, concise, basically, you know, Jesus, Jesus is better. You don't have to live this way, man. And say, said that, he gets out of the door. Next time we get together, um, we had lunch two days later. He said, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that. You saying Jesus is better. Uh, I want to know what a relationship with him looks like. You know, but if I'm not convinced that uh, people can see through us, if I'm not convinced that Jesus really is better than everything else, and that's, that's why I follow him, um, that's not going to be very convincing and not going to land as well in that message, message to him. So that's point two. We must be convinced ourselves. Hmm. Point number three is that we must be committed and intentional. We've got to be intentional in our outreach, or intentional in our prayer, intentional in our outreach, and intentional in our words. Um, I can't give you a, a case that I have been involved in a fruitful relationship with someone coming to know the Lord that wasn't preceded in prayer. Uh, I love the way that Matthew was illustrating his illustrations and his, his point of that message. This is, this is something, when Jesus talks about salvation, uh, when he's asked that question by the rich young ruler, who, uh, after he talks with the rich young ruler, the disciples say, who can be saved? He says, with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Um, and so we, we've got to cry out and depend on God to do something. We've got to be intentional um, in those prayers. We've got to pray for open doors to build relationships with the people at your given field. For me, it's Roger State University. That's where I'm campus ministry at. Uh, I don't know where all of, where all of you are at. Um, but I know that God does appoint the times and places, and you're not just in a classroom just to get an education, that God has you in there so that you can point an individual to him. Um, so pray for, the eyes to, pray for open eyes to see that, uh, and then pray for open doors with those individuals in your classes. Um, and then we've got we've to be intentional as those relationships, um, as those relationships are forming, as those relationships build, that the intent be that they experience life change, that they experience a relationship with Christ Jesus, um, not just to have a friendship and get to hang out and they come to, to the events and they, they eat the food and they, they go home, but there's a, there's a purpose, that they would be found in Christ on that day uh, when they see him. 
And so I think the best example in scripture of this comes in Acts 17, uh, as Paul's walking through Athens. And so I want to turn there real quick and read verses 25 and 26. Uh, starting, we'll start in verse 24. He's explaining to them the living God. Talking to a group at Areopagus. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times and the places, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. I love this passage because context, Paul is in between his travels as he's, he's awaiting to, to meet up or go to, go to his next, next venue. Um, but he's, he's there and he's he starts doing what he does, and he shares the gospel, and he shares this, this message. Is like, as he's speaking to them, he's telling them, it's not a coincidence that I'm here talking to you today. God wants a relationship with y'all, and that's why I'm here. Um, and so we, we need to adopt that intentionality with, with where we're at and change our mindset that we're not at work to make a paycheck, to, to earn a living solely. We, we get to earn a living, praise God. We, get, we have that job. But we're there for something deeper, something bigger. We're there to lead others to a saving relationship with Christ Jesus. You're not in school just to get your education. Though, praise God, you're, you're in school, you get a chance to get your education. But God appointed the times and places with the people that are in your classes so that they would have a shot at knowing him. All right, we, we, and we, we've got to carry this intentionality um, to our outreach events. Uh, I don't know what events are thrown on your campus, um, but I'm, I'm going to give an example that took place at a casino night at Tulsa University. Um, we, we threw the event, we got it started off, and it started kind of slow. We didn't, we didn't have people there. Um, but we knew why, why we were throwing the event. It's not just so we can play, play our casino games for free. It's so that relationships can be built, um, so that people will come to a relationship with Christ Jesus. And so get the opportunity to, uh, or, or take the opportunity to go walk around um, and attempt to bring people to this event and just praying, like, God, bring people to this event. You know why we're here. Bring, bring people to know you. Um, and as I, I look up from this prayer, I'm, I'm walking and praying, um, but I have my head down. I look up and I run into two young ladies and uh, get to, I invite them to, to the event. And they, were, they were, had some free time on their hands. They're like, okay, we'll come to Christina tonight. One of them's named Lee Bree. Um, and she was met by the girls and the Tulsa, Tulsa ministry. Uh, they built a relationship with her. They studied her, studied with her. She came to be baptized, and she's a fireball for the Lord now. And now she's about the business of doing the same thing. And you better believe every chance I get, I remind her that uh, I was out there 
I was out there praying, not pat me, pat on the back, oh, I was out there praying, but that God answered the prayer because God wanted her uh, and was drawing her to himself. And he's, he wants all mankind. He sent his son for that purpose and to go before him on that behalf as she goes and is now in the process of outreaching to others. Carol, how am I doing on time? So that was point number three. We must, we must be intentional. Point number four is we must be open ourselves. We get a prime example of this in Paul as he, from Paul as he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse First Timothy 1.15 Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Uh, so Paul's very open <laughs> about his past, uh, you, see, you see in his letters, he talks about, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I used to be known as Saul the persecutor. I was out killing the church. But this is about God's grace. This is about a God who can take a life and transform it. Um, and so if we want to have that kind of impact, we've got to be open about ourselves. Uh, we're not of the exception. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You guys know what it was for you. You know where you were at before you had a relationship with Jesus. And we've got to be open about that um, so, that we, so that others see that and have hope for their life. And I want to give you a really cool example of that. Uh, met a girl, re- got reconnected with a girl by the name of Crystal Gutierrez um, at our Tulsa Community College, TCC Southeast Ministry. Um, she went to high school with me, and I was a total narcissistic jerk hole in high school. So I said I was looking for, for identity, and bodybuilding was, was my MO. That was, that was my thing. Um, and so uh, I, I topped that. I, I'm womanizing, and, and just a, not, a, not a pleasant, friendly guy in high school. Well, I'm talking with... Uh, <laughs> I'm talking with Crystal at TCC. I didn't even recognize her. Uh, I guess we'd had a class together in high school. We had a little booth there and talking with her. Like, hey, yeah, we've got this cross chat, yada, yada, come and hang out with us. And she said, hey, I know you. We went to high school together. I was like, oh, cool. So you went to, went to Union. And she's like, yeah. And I'm just inquiring. And she stops me and she says, what happened to you? <laughs> and I said, I just kind of spot, what, what do you mean? It's, she says, uh, you used to be, uh, I'll edit myself, you used to be such a jerk. It's, she used stronger language than that. And, I, <laughs> and I, I laugh and I'm like, you're totally right. I was a jerk hole in every which way. And just kind of w- was open um, laughing about that. And then she, get, she lays it on. Like I remember in math class, you would flirt with this girl and you took her out just so she would do your math homework for you. You were this, you were that. It's like, yeah, you're, you're right. But you asked what happened. I have a relationship with Jesus now and he's gotten hold of me. He's kind of changing, changing some stuff up. 
and it ended up inviting her to cross chat that night. She got connected with some of our girls at that very cross chat. And she said, um, see, she came from, from a church experience. She, she came from a Catholic background. Uh, but she, she had strained and, strayed and she just figured the Jesus she knew or she understood the Jesus she knew couldn't help her. She didn't understand that there, there was hope. Um, but she said something really profound to, to one of the girls that connected with her that night. She said, you know, I have hope that Jesus can do something with my life. If he can take a jerk like Brent and do something with, then he can do something with me. Um, and so we've got to be open about that. Uh, we've had this uh, death to life experience that we, we talk about, right? And there, when, when you encounter people, they're going to see something different, especially in those instances that they knew you um, beforehand. And so that can be an opportunity rather than shutting down outreach. I had a conversation in my room last night about that. It's like, I don't think I can outreach because of what my past was. I, said, I think I'm effective in outreach because I'm ministering in the same area where people know my past. And they see that. This, something happened. This isn't the young man that I knew. And you're right, something happened. Christ Jesus got a hold of me. And Brent died and Christ Jesus lives. Um, and so that's... We, we've got to take hold of that, that hope. Rather than being disqualified because of our past, uh, surrendered up to God, that can be something that's highly effective. Hmm. So we must, be, we must be open about ourself and our sin. Next point. I think I'm on four. Four or five? Five. Okay, point five. I don't have them numbered up here on my, my phone. I'm going off my notes, so promise I'm not texting up here. <laughs> point five is we must override our fear with love. Let's look at a verse in John, what Jesus says, how we respond if we love him. And this comes in John chapter 14, verse 15. Yes, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And so if we claim that we love Christ Jesus, the real indicator, you know, we can say that with our mouth, right? The real indicator of that is going to be, do we obey him? Um, and he's clearly commissioned, stated. Uh, I contend the most authoritative thing ever said on this planet was to go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, I contend that's, and to teach him everything he said, I contend it's the most authoritative thing ever said because of what he says. He just rose, rose from the dead and he says this to him before he ascends to heaven in their eyes and he says, all authority has been given to me. So we better listen up when we hear that, right? And we claim to love him. We've got to obey him and be about the business of reaching others. It meant a great deal to him, enough that he hung on the cross for it. Um, and furthermore, we've got our love for, our love for Jesus ought to compel us, and our love for the lost ought to compel us. We're going to turn to a verse in Romans 9 that challenges my heart and love for the lost more than any passage I've come across in Scripture. 
All right, this is Romans 9, verses 1 through 5. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I love that he prefaces it like this, because what he's about to say, every time I read it, I'm like, you've got to be lying, Paul. This, this can't be true. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs is the divine glory and the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human andresty of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. Amen. So he says, I wish that I were cut off from Christ for their sake. I wish that I were cut off and it were me who on that day would stand before the Almighty God and he say, uh, you're going to go into that lake of fire that was originally for Satan and his angels, but you're going to go there, torment day and night forever and ever. You know, sometimes I think that I love the lost people and then I see what Paul says. Um, and so we, we've got to uh, let our love for the lost outride our fear. I say that because uh, fear is a big holdup and why we don't outreach. Um, it, it keeps us from outreaching. The other uh, Monday, I was at, Claire and I were at the university. We came off a good long three, four week break, Christmas break, and I gave her my raw, raw speech. Man, we're about to hit the ground running. We're going to attack it. We're going to do this thing. And we get on the university, pull it into the cafeteria. One of my guys that, that I love and I pray about all the time, and we started a study and it just wasn't time for it, but. Um, you know, we pull into the university and see him walking. And I'm like, I see him there. I'm just kind of like, ah, I'll be praying about him or something. Claire's like, oh, there's Cheyenne. Why don't you roll down the window and talk to him? See, I, I don't want you to get, to get um, the wrong impression. Like, I still need, need to be nudged. I still can succumb to fear. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we have to love those people more than our fear of looking silly or of getting rejected or whatever the case is, we've got to love them more than that. Because if we want to be obedient to this, we're told to, to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, nobody wants to go to hell. Anyone in this room want to go to the place that this book describes as hell? So we've got, if we're serious about following Christ Jesus, we've got to love other people enough to open our mouths or that's blood on our hands. Because if God appoints times and places and we don't open our mouths, I don't know what, what that day of judgment is going to look like, but I'll contend that if that individual that was put there so you would speak truth into their life, that if they could look at you on that day and you didn't open your mouth, you didn't tell them about Jesus, they would ask you why you hated them so much. Because you have to hate someone not to tell them about what's coming. <coughs> It's not love. It's not tolerance. It's hate when we don't open our mouth and tell them the truth about Christ Jesus. And we've got to love people more than that. Amen. And we've got to pray for that. I, I don't talk about a love that, that's on our, our own accord. Um, by nature, I'm an introvert. I'm not a people person. I'm not... That, that's not what I'm inclined towards, but because your natural ability isn't to be a people person, it doesn't mean you can't supernaturally love people because of the Spirit of God put in you, because He put His Spirit in you to empower you to be a witness on His behalf. So, introvertness is a joke. 
I say, I, okay, it's the truth. There's introverts, extroverts, no doubt. That's not a joke, that's real. But that as an excuse, I hear that all the time. I don't outreach because I'm an introvert. No, you don't outreach because you hate people. That's why you don't outreach. Amen. We've, got to, we've got to be truthful about what that really is. All right, we're, we're going to, Carol, how am I doing on time? I want to leave enough for Q&A. You have 10 minutes. Okay, so 10 minutes left. Okay, so I had some, we'll, we'll go to Q&A. That's okay. You're, you're doing well. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. So supportive. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. In our Bible and through our living. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know how to. Yeah, I don't want to shoot at a, shoot at a moving target. So I have another question. Um, what, what do they need proof on? Proof about creation, that there's a creator, or proof that Jesus was who he said he was? First off, they're saying that they don't really believe that Jesus is Jesus. Mm-hmm. They feel like. Um, um, they feel like. The Bible was made by a man, and so it's just mm-hmm. like a rule book that, mm-hmm. so it, it gets to, to that. Mm-hmm. And if I show them, if I show them proof of, of the history of the Bible, then they're like, well, somebody wrote that too, so it's just mm-hmm. like, like, what can I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love, um, see, I'm not, do I want to answer and give you no, there's one apologetic that, that I do dig, and I, I'll utilize sometimes, and that's the case for the Christ. But I'm not a big proponent of apologetics. And here's why. Because Jesus says um, in his last day, he's praying. I think it's in John chapter 17. He says, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Talking about believers. And by their love, they will know that you sent me. So love's going to be, be our, our apologetic. And it's something that can't be um, explained away. And I don't know um, what, the, what the group that, that you're with looks like. But I promise if we're loving in the way that, that Christ says, when people are a part of that group, they notice something different. And that might be their verbiage. So I just had a ride, gave a guy a ride home. His name's Henry. And uh, he's homosexual. And he came and hung out with us. And on the ride home, he said, this experience was different than anything thing else I've ever experienced. Uh, I went to LGBT to find acceptance and welcoming and love and this and that. This is different. And that, he just kept saying that over and over. I said, you know what that difference is that you speak of? That's Jesus. Jesus loves us. Because of that, we love each other. And because of that, we love you. That's what that difference is, you see. It's Christ Jesus. Um, and he was open and responsive in a way that he'd had uh, horrible um, experiences with the church up to there. And we got to have a little more conversation after to that. But I think uh, our, our apologetics truly going to be our love. Um, the book that I, I mentioned um, is it's a good one. It's by Lee Strobel. It's called The Case for Christ. And so people that I've been studying with, I've referred them to that. And he was actually a guy that started out to disprove, his journalist started out to disprove Christianity. Um, that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. And 
Uh, he went out and in the process of objective journalism, he proved to him, he converted himself more or less as he saw the facts. So there's a lot of good, good input and stuff that can come um, from there. And, and we bank on that. We point back to Jesus. I don't, uh, I don't get into the creation one very much, though, just simply uh, say that I think it's easier to, more logical to believe that there's a creator of all of this than that there was some little dust billions of years ago and it just happened, lucky little dust, and this just all happened to work out to where we revolve around this ball of fire that we'd be, we'd burn up if we were 20 miles closer to, we'd burn, we'd freeze if we were 20 miles further away from the sun, we'd spin around a thousand miles an hour, and, and we don't feel anything, but if we ride the little teacups, we throw up afterwards, you know, and so it's things like that. I, you know, that's briefly how I, how I handle it. It's more logical for me to believe that there's a creator who made this universe masterfully than some little lucky dust. Um, but did I answer your question, Chiana? Yeah, sort of. Because this person is my sister. And okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that is is heartbreaking indeed. Um, that's that's a tough one, and, and outreach when it when it can't be um, face to face. I've never seen fruit from like just strictly uh, email or uh, social media or phone, but it's been that face-to-face where she's been, where the individual was able to expose to a group of believers. Um, So what we can do is be praying about that, Cheyenne. Michael, what's up? Go for it. Mm-hmm. Like if they could have, they would have put it in the books. You know, the Chabu and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't, that was not an argument, not knowing that thing. So like, when you think about Jesus, like, they, like, still to this day, they're like, against him. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, they couldn't prove, like, the show fire mm-hmm. at the time. There's mm-hmm. no books about it, you see. And that's one of, one of the groups too, also. And, and Jesus, like, he's known within the, the Roman, Roman culture. And yeah. All types of, like, evidence. But his body, if he claimed to say to be who he is, then you know they have to prove, like basically, you know, that he did not raise him credit. Yeah. But he did. There's no emphasis. Sweet. Good stuff there, Michael. Thank you. We got time for one more question. Oh, okay. Is there any more questions? Thank you for sharing that, bud. We should be pitied above all. Yeah, you're right. A liar's not a good, not a good martyr. And thanks, thanks for the input, guys. Is there any other questions? Okay, hit me. We got another one. Um, this is a guy on Facebook who um, 
Uh huh. Okay, um, he's a he's a believer or unbeliever. Okay, so you know, like the the battle between Seventh Day Adventists and um, and people who go to church on Sunday. They believe that mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday. Saturday. Yeah. And so um, he condemns people who go to church on Sunday, and you'll see a lot of his posts saying, "Well, mm -hmm. if you go to church on Sunday, you're going to hell." Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, in Colossians it says you shouldn't judge someone based on um, mm -hmm. on the Yeah. I'd leave it mine and, and focus on the souls that God has, has put before you. Uh, yeah, good, good question. What's up? Hey, uh, I know you're talking about like, just going out there and reaching out. Uh-huh. How, how do you usually approach people when you like yourself? Just sometimes, like, uh -huh. I, have, I have God, of course, you know. And yeah. I think worst case is, like, different from mine. So sometimes I am okay, but it's, like, kind of about myself and everything like yeah. that. So how do you, like, approach people? Because I know sometimes... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one that you just pointed out. I, I love what it, what he said. He's like, how do you meet people where where they're at? Uh, a big one that he noted was uh, talk about the Cardinals that they have a Cardinals jersey. Um, and so I spend a lot of time on the uni university by myself, and uh, the best way way to initiate um, conversation uh, is just to do it. Don't overthink it. Just, just do it. And as you're talking to them, sometimes you find a commonality. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just get to love and listen to them talk about a silly card game uh, called Magic that I'm sorry if you guys play it. I'm not sorry for saying it's silly. I'm sorry you'll play it. But sometimes, you know, you just, you just get to listen and truly pay attention to what they're talking about because it means something to them because it, they mean something to you so you can pay attention to that situation. So, Michael. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, really, really good point there. That's that's all the time that that we've got for the class. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and close us out with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this opportunity here at Family Vacation. The way we've already seen you move, we've already seen you work, seen two lives that are never going to be the same, two people cross over from death to life. 
Father God, I pray that this not just be a raw, raw event, that we get all fired up and then just fizzle out, but I pray that we return to our campuses, to our work fields, to our homes different than we came. Lord, we don't want to get caught up in strategy. The flesh counts for nothing. We need nothing short of your spirit to be poured out on our universities, our places of influence, Father God. I pray we would have a new dependence upon you and a confidence that comes in that. Not a discouragement that, oh, I can't do anything, but a confidence in my God can do anything. And I'm going to keep shooting and treating every opportunity like it's the opportunity because it just may be. Give us new focus and purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.